Lord Jesus, would you cover us all in your divine grace and your mind-blowing peace and let it be ours in the fullest measure. I do want to look at the beginning of that passage um, when we look at a a passage of scripture, it is good and right that we focus in on a few verses and dig into them deeply and do the word studies that we're doing and, and try to understand smaller chunks of it. But I have to remind myself oftentimes to zoom out too and to take a look at what's around it and what does the whole letter say and what, what is there. And that part of me as I was preparing for this wanted to just take us through the whole first chapter of First Peter, and then I was like, well, that's going to take like six hours. So we couldn't do that, but I did want to back up a little bit, and we're going to look at the first nine verses this morning. So he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, and I put in parentheses strangers, because it's translated that way sometimes too, we're scattered, isolated, I put, because that's our experience of this right now, right? We're maybe not necessarily scattered, from each other, but we've been so extremely isolated, and it feels like a, a type of scattering throughout all of these places, but we can read it for our present day as well, who are chosen, we're still chosen, according to the foreknowledge, and I love how he puts the Trinity in this sentence right here, from the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. It's like who God is and the gospel in one little nugget right there, right? And that's how so many of the letters in the New Testament begin. But then it, that's where he goes on to say, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. So then we're going to go into the text that we sat with this week. And if you are able and willing, would you stand and we'll read this together? And Marcia, is it you doing the slides? Will you just keep going? We'll go through these next two slides together. Here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Awesome. You may sit, but I am not a preacher, I'm a teacher. And teachers ask for feedback. And I know Kelly already tried to get you people to share something. And you were, but I'm going to be a little more bullish than Kelly was. And I want you to teach us. I, you've spent now a week, at least. Some of you have spent much more time in your lifetime in this passage. 
And you've been looking at the truths here and how it describes our inheritance and what that does in you. And we're just going to sit here for at least six minutes silently if you refuse to share. So, so tell us, maybe it's something that someone in your group said that you hadn't thought of before. Maybe it's something in your personal study that you wrote down that you would like to read to us. Um, something that you would like to say. If you don't feel great, if your hesitance was that you don't feel great speaking into this mic after someone else, you could say it and I will, I will repeat it for you so we don't have to worry about passing on each other's spit. Um, but who has something? Take a look. I love that you've got your notebooks out. Take a look and see what, what was that thing that I said, oh yeah, that was big. Billy Philemon would say that's a big deal. keep my mask on. Um, so in our group, we talked about, in verse 5, it says, um, you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in the lesson, we were asked to look at what revealed meant. And we, I specifically brought about the fact that we're not only is heaven going to be revealed, but we actually will also get to be revealed what we're saved from. So what does it actually look like to be separated from God forever is actually going to be in our awareness. So we'll get to be what, see what we're saved to, but also what we're saved from. And I don't think we hold that very true in our lives right now. We don't really know what it means to be separated from God forever. And so it doesn't draw our hearts to others the way that it would if we had a picture of what people would be facing if they didn't know Christ. So that revealed was both greatness, but it's also the distress of what could be. Thank you. Oh, I almost brought you the mic because I saw you touch your hair. <laughs> Who else? I just wanted to say thank you to Barb for writing that story. I thought she put so much um, perspective and honesty, and she was very real about how she was feeling about having to wait so long for her inheritance from her dad. At the same time, she found ways to be thankful for what she has already. And it was just a huge reminder to me to be thankful and also to be encouraged that what God has for us coming up is way, way beyond anything we can imagine right now. So I just wanted to say thank you to Barb for that story, and we hope you do get to Hawaii someday. <laughs> nice. 
Um, going through this study with everything that's been happening to me in the last few years um, just gave me more of a sense of um, safety and security and rest, even though I've been through these scriptures before. And, and having finished this study, like right before I went out the door to go do something else yesterday, finally finishing it, um, I had a, a flat tire on the road and just the whole situation was covered in grace and peace. So I'm really glad that I had finished the study <laughs> right before that happened. Oh, but the cool. Lord is good. It was perfect timing. Yeah, great. Thank you. Maybe one more. So the, one of the things for me that really struck me in this is verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. So in all of those things that we read in the previous verses, we greatly rejoice because of our inheritance that will that is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away. We're protected by the power of God through faith for salvation. And then we say, in this you greatly rejoice, even though, and I can't separate this verse from these three little phrases, even though now, for a little while, and that we don't know what that little while is. The little while might be 80 years, but compared to eternity, it's a little while. And that's so, so hard for my finite mind to wrap around, but it's the truth that whatever I'm suffering in this life is literally a little while to God. And if, if necessary. So now, for a little while, and only if God deems it necessary. He's not just arbitrarily allowing catastrophic things to happen to us, right? There, we live in a world that is touched by sin every day. It surrounds us, but he is still protecting us from so much of it. And what would we be protected from? What would my life actually be like if I didn't know Jesus? Sue shared over the summer, and it has rocked my world, the idea of that these light and momentary afflictions are in comparison to the weight of glory, but they're also in comparison to the weight of hellfire, of eternal separation from God that I would be experiencing if he had not sent his son to die for me and I was not experiencing his salvation, right? And so, yes, a lifetime of suffering is light and momentary compared to eternal health, eternal separation from God. It's one of those things that just should be obvious, and yet it changes everything when we enter into it. Um, so that was a big, a big piece for me. As I looked through kind of a, a simple word study of the word air, um, and I had to explain what that word is to my children, which was kind of a fun conversation. Um, but the study of the word air brought me to this passage in Galatians. Um, and you should start reading about it. I mean, read the whole book of Galatians. It's not very long. But in chapter 3 is where it really starts talking about this heritage that we have. So you can take a look at that later. But in the verses right before Galatians 4, Paul is using the illustration of a child who will receive an inheritance. Their parents are wealthy, and the inheritance will be coming to them. But
but only when they come of age. And there's a lot coming to him in the future, but while he's still a child, he doesn't have access to that inheritance. And that's how God's people were before Jesus, is what Paul is saying. They were children, they were chosen, they belonged to him, but they couldn't access their inheritance, just exactly what Barb shared in her testimony. And it actually made them felt, feel like slaves. They were just the same status then as slaves because they, they had no access to their inheritance. Listen to how that has changed because of Jesus. Galatians 4, 4 through 7, you could read it in many different versions. I liked how simply it, it told us in the message. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father... God sent his son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus, we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father, doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave, but a child? And if you are a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. The NIV says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Has this always been obvious to everyone else? I have never, ever thought about the Holy Spirit being the spirit of Jesus. I get it that they're three in one. I mean, I don't get it. But I know that they're three in one and that they're God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. Maybe I shouldn't have done them like that. Like the triangle works better. But I hadn't read it that it's the spirit of his son. I know, like I say all the time, we say Christ in me. I know that Christ lives in me. I don't know, whatever this was this week, the phrasing here that is the spirit of his son that was placed in me blows my mind especially if we look at it in contrast to that Ephesians 2 passage that was in the homework. Ephesians 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of what? We were sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So we go from being sons of disobedience and children of wrath, it says, even as the rest. You know what the very next two words are? But God, right? And we love that. But God, all of our circumstances here, but God. We, he, can, he can place himself in to all of our circumstances, all of the situations we find ourselves in, and because of his great love and mercy, he changes everything. But that we were formerly children of disobedience and sons of wrath, swap that, you get it. Um, but now he says that we are his children. I, I just love that, and I love that it says that he placed the spirit of his son because that's what seals us and secures us as his child. It's, it's irreversible. It's irrevocable. It can't be taken back. Our nature now resembles his. I have the great privilege of getting to be an adoptive mom, and it's something that brings me great, great joy every day. My five-year-old little girl is, she's 
kind of the comic relief in our life right now. Um, but she also really, really has a heart for Jesus, and she's constantly bringing up God into our conversations, and I love that about her too. But I also know and get to experience regularly that adoption comes out of loss, and there, there would be no need for adoption if everything had been good and right in her family of origin, right? And one of the losses about physical adoption, and I'm going to contrast it to spiritual adoption in a second, but one of the losses is that you don't get to live out. You've all seen or you've talked with new parents or you have experienced this yourself where the conversation is, oh, who do you think he looks like? Oh, my goodness, he's got your nose. Oh, look at that face. He's got your smile. Oh, the dimple. Oh, look at those nasty feet. He's got your toes, right? And we do this, and we want to know, and from an early, early age, we're trying to figure out who this child resembles most. And it's just something that people do. It's a natural thing for us. When you adopt a child or when you are an adopted child, you don't get to see your face reflected back in your parent or in your child. And it's something that adopted children really struggle with. My daughter, and she maybe would want this even if it's, it's kind of funny that I'm saying this because you probably, many of you who don't know me well, didn't know that she was adopted because she looks like our family. Like it's not a big obvious um, difference in our case, but it, but it is different to her. She notices this. And she tries to straighten her hair so that it's like mine. And she loves it when we can be matching in our clothes. And I have noticed that that is something that we long for. We long to look in a face that resembles ours. And so to read this through that lens and say that God the Father placed the spirit of his son in me because now I reflect who he is. And when he looks at me, he's seeing Jesus in me, and it makes me kind of giggle, like, I wonder if he's up going, she just did my smile, right? Did I just turn this off? Am I so good? No? I just banged it in my pocket, and it sounded weird. Um, but I love that our, our inheritance begins here with our access to him, that now we get to have intimate conversation with him right here, right now, because he placed his spirit in us. Pretty cool. I couldn't leave out then the end of this sentence. Verse 7 leaves us in the middle of a sentence, and if we go on to verses 8 and 9, this is where we get to recognize that we are heirs of this amazing eternal inheritance. So it says, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So the experience here should be cause for great joy, joy inexpressible. And I have certainly had times in my life where I was so happy that I couldn't speak, but I don't always allow the glory of his coming of his return to change my day-to-day. For sure, Christians can get this all twisted up. I don't know if you learned this song when you were a child, 
I'm in right, out, right, up, right, down, right, happy all the time. I'm in right, out, right, up, right, down, right, happy all the time. Since Jesus Christ came in and cleansed my life from sin, I'm in right, out, right, up, right, down, right, happy all the time. There's even hand motions over here. And you go faster and faster and faster. So kind of a fun Sunday school song, but I don't actually let my kids sing it. They're going to watch this video and they're going to be like, Mommy, we want to know this song. But I... I lived that message, that, that passage where it says last week in the homework, that you, you always, you knew that, this, that trials were a part of your life, right? We've always understood this. Where was that? In like Timothy or somewhere? I don't know. Um, but I, I, didn't, I didn't know that very well. I didn't expect life to get hard for someone who loved Jesus as much as I did. I thought it was going to be pretty great. And I thought that if I loved him, because he loves me, I get to be happy all the time, and life gets to be great. And we minimize how difficult life is. That this truth that we get to rejoice with joy inexpressible doesn't mean that we get to pretend away the hard in life. right? It doesn't mean that we get to slap on a smile and act like we're okay. But it also, we don't do anybody any good if we just wallow in how hard it is either. Right? Because, as Kelly said this morning, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. And so when we get to experience the pain in our lives with truth and honesty and with Jesus and with hope of our eternal inheritance that began when we said yes to him, when he drew us to himself, then we get to be both. That we get to experience joy in suffering right? It seems so paradoxical. It seems like a contradiction, but that's, I've said this up here before, it's one of the things that I'm learning to grasp about the Lord, that he has, he doesn't have the same problem I have with contradictory things being held in the same hands, right? He knows how to do good and bad in the same hands, hard and hope in the same hands. I'm learning i got a long way to go. And before I close, I just want to tell another little story on my daughter. She has a hard time falling asleep at night. And we're in a season of reassuring her that we're there and she's safe and she can fall asleep multiple times between the time she gets in bed and when she actually falls asleep. And sometimes this can take over an hour. Um, but a few months ago, she was calling for me. And I went into her room and she told me she was thinking of bad guys and other horrible things. Mommy, I'm thinking of horrible things. And she couldn't fall asleep. And so I, she has a bunk bed, but it's not terribly high. So I just kind of stand on the second step of her ladder and lean over. And I rub her arms because it's a calming thing for her body. And I remind her that she's never alone and that God is always with her. And we, we made up a little song um, about Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. And so I'm saying my little speech, reminding her of what is true, that she's never alone, that God is with her, that she can trust him. And she's nearly asleep. And she yawns, and she rolls over, and she says, Why do I always forget? And she falls asleep. And it, it brings tears to my eyes right now. And I tell you that story because that's the reality for me with this whole inheritance subject, this whole hope of heaven subject. 
it's like I, I know, I know that Christ lives in me. I know that he's given me his spirit. And I know that I have access to him. And I know that this life and the trials that I'm facing are light and momentary. But I always forget. And I, that doesn't have to bring me shame. He knows I would always forget. That's why he wrote it so many times. Is it um, is it this? Ah, it fell off. No? It fell off my ear. I told you my head was too big. Okay, sorry. That was my hair speaking to you. Um, but that, that he reminds us over and over and over in Scripture of what is true, and he puts us in places like this where we get to come together and remind each other what is true, and so that when we're having a moment where we can't rest and we feel all of that stress and tension, that a, a reminder from his word, a reminder from someone who loves Jesus and loves us well, can come and provide that hope that, that we need to be able to rest. When I remember that this world is not my home, that I am an heir, that I have an inheritance that is eternal and incomprehensible, then I can rest in his truth and provision. Lord God, don't let us forget that we are yours. Don't let us forget the hope that we have in you and the eternal weight of glory that we're going to get to experience in your presence. God, I am so just amazed by all that you offer us. Um, we didn't deserve one little bit of it. And you love us so much, and your desire is to be with us. And it's incomprehensible. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the spirit of your son dwelling in us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.